Welcome back, people, to another episode of Keep It 111 with your host, Andy and Sanha. Sanha, how you doing, man? Nice, nice. Well, folks, uh, it is November, a very busy time of the year. I feel, wait, every, every single major sport has action. You know, this is a very busy time. A lot going on. We have a lot of uh, things to get through. We're, of course, going to start off with, as usual, the NFL, Sanha's power rankings, and uh, updates on trades. And then, of course, we have to talk about the World Series, uh, what we've seen so far, and, uh, of course, uh, what we can see for the uh, finale of the, ser- uh, of the season. And... And then we'll move on to the NBA and talk about some news around the league. Lots of news with the Nets. And, of course, we're going to give the Lakers report. And then we're going to end off with, again, another sport. We like to do this, right? Uh, talk about things that um, you know aren't a mainstay on the agenda. But we're going to talk about esports, man. Uh, and more on that later. Uh, let's first start off with the NFL. Um, well, I mean, uh, lots of stuff to get through, right? We got to get through the power rankings. We got to get through the trades. I mean, where do you want to start? You got to start with the trades here to round it a little. Today was the NFL trade deadline. 4 p.m. Off. I think it's 4 Um, And yeah, I, there were 12 trades um, on today, like just today. That is the most number of traded on a deadline day last third. Um, so a lot of trades. Um, and you know, I, I don't, I wouldn't say anything like groundbreaking, but there are a few notable ones in here. Um, probably the most notable is linebacker slash edge rusher Bradley Chubb from the Denver Broncos going to the Miami Dolphin. Um, They'll get to pair him up with their bud, uh, Jalen Phillips, on that defense line and make what was already a talented defense even more talented. Um, Dolphins are really, they're kind of loading up. Kind of take it to the next level and, and make a run here. So, excited to see. Um, also involving the Dolphins, they got running back Jeff Wilson Jr. from the Niners. Um, which is because and a good fit because the Niners will uh obviously they like run the same kind of offense as the Niners. The getting a running back from that already knows the offense, already knows all about, already knows what all that offense um the blocking is all about. Having just another one of the guys um is going to be helpful for the um and obviously it makes sense for the Niners. They just traded for um so it, it makes sense that they kind of offload one of them um and then because the dolphins got in uh jeff wilson they shipping out chase edmund i believe that was part of that probably um other maybe notable ones the colts and the bills they swap running back so the colts send over naheem hines who has been backing up taylor and exchange received Zach moss and i believe it was a six um, I think really they just kind of both needed a, a change of scenery. 
uh, Naheem Hines wasn't getting the usage that he deserves, despite, you know, Frank Wright saying for three. Naheem Hines. Uh, so <laughs> they just shipped him off. Um, then uh, another big one, the Lions trade their star tight end, TJ Hawkinson, to the Minnesota Vikings. Um, it's a little odd, but, like, I kind of get it. The Lions aren't going to win this. Um, and the Vikings are 6-1. and one, I think. So, uh, I, I think it makes sense for, for the Vikings here. It's interesting that it's an it's a trade within the division, which doesn't happen very often, obviously, because you don't want to help division rivals. Um, but in this particular case, I guess this is how it shook out. Um, it's going to be, Hawkinson's going to be a big add for the Vikings. They had Irv Smith Jr., who wasn't very So having a guy like Hawk, um, just another weapon for them, is going to be huge. Um, and then finally, there's like this random, very, very random, the Falcons trade Calvin Ridley, who is still suspended, by the way, like he's, he's, he's serving out his season long suspension, but they trade him to the Jaguars, um, or I think it's like a, so it's like, it's very weird. This is, this trade is also very weird because it's super conditional. It's like, it's a fifth rounder right now, and it can become a fourth rounder if, Ridley, uh, like, successfully finishes his suspension and is, like, freed on the day that he should be free. And then it turns into a third-round pick if, like, he's on the roster um, when the next season starts. No, wait, wait. Am I doing this wrong? I, did I start too high? I think I started too high. I think it was a sixth-round pick originally, then it becomes a fifth, then a fourth. A fourth-round pick if he makes the roster. A third-round pick... Oh, no, no, maybe I was doing it right. Third round pick if he makes the roster. Second round pick if uh, the, the Jaguars end up signing a long-term deal with Calvin Ridley. So it's like this like super conditional uh, trade agreement, which it can go all the way from a fifth round pick all the way up to a second round pick, which is significant. Like in the NFL, a second round pick is a very, very like good, like high quality asset, while a fifth round pick is kind of very So... Um, I've never seen anything like that before, but that's very interesting. Um, also interesting because the reason that Calvin Ridley got suspended was because he was betting on a game that, um, and it was that the Falcons would beat. Now oh, he's gonna. Um. <laughs> so funny. That's, that is the best part. Right? Yeah, it's fucking full circle. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean. I mean, like, it's a bizarre trade, but, I mean, how often do you see, like, suspended assets on the move? Like, that in itself is a pretty, you know, you don't move them for a reason. There's a lot of uncertainty. And, I mean, I would say that the Jaguars have, you know, protected themselves decently, I think. Although, I mean, Calvin Ridley, with the ceiling of, you know, being a second-round pick, I'm not sure how you agree with that, yeah, even in the best-case scenario. Yeah, I don't know. It's probably high. It, it just really speaks to like how highly they they value him. Um, I don't know. It, like Calvin, really, to be fair, was very very when he was playing. So I don't think it's like super unwarranted. 
I don't know. Second round pick is a little too high for my for my taste. Because like you gotta think about it. Amari Cooper went for like a fifth round And he's actually playing this. <laughs> yeah, like a like a like a Chase Claypool went for a second, right? And Chase Claypool is like, you know That's too much big... for Claypool. Okay. But when he's young. Listen, I like Clay I like Claypool as much as the, the other guy, okay? But um he ain't worth a second round pick, dude. They got he's not worth one right now, but I mean they got fucking gypped. They got fucking gypped. Dude, okay, what? But they could have done the same thing then. They could have been like, okay, I'll give you a third round pick now. If he makes a Pro Bowl, I'll give you a second round pick. You know? That's also true. You know, they could have easily true. just done that, but instead they're just like, nah, you can just have this one. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like also bizarre that like a team that's rebuilding is just trading away like high value picks. It, it is for a young player, but like. The young player has already been playing for two. Yeah, and I guess like if you think about the fact that if you're the Bears, like you know that the Steelers are just shedding. Yeah. To yeah. try to get some draft capital. Yeah, and, and you're but you're in you the should, same you position. Be more ambitious, right? You're also Dude. shitty, so like. Yeah. Why? Anyway, that's also true. Yeah, I don't. I don't understand. You're shitty. Anyway, so I mean, those are those are the trades. Um, again, like I said, nothing like completely crazy but like the notable things here are one the packers didn't get a wide receiver which they desperately need um so that's sad brandon cooks really wanted to get uh traded but um was there anyone else who was trying to get traded? oh i guess like uh what's his face uh, dj Moore was trying to get traded but he's been trying to get traded for a while. Uh, that didn't happen. <laughs> Poor guy. Bad dude. Feels bad. Yeah, it feels bad for him. Uh, but that that's that's. Um, let's go. We can go into the power rankings. Yes. Power yes. ranking time. Uh, a lot. Not a lot at the top has changed, but the bottom has been a little bit of a shakeup. So if you if we remember from last week, the power rankings one through ten were Eagles, the Bills, the Cowboys, and then the Giants, Bengals, Dolphins, Ravens, Niners, Vikings. Those were the top ten. With notably the Vikings' first appearance, the Giants' their first. Um, this week. The top, the top is pretty much the same. We have the Eagles, Bills, Chiefs, Boys. I feel pretty darn good about these four, um, especially seeing again how the Cowboys they they drop forty nine. Like I know the Bears are bad, but like forty nine points is a lot of points for any team against any other team. Like, yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, how about Tony Pollard? Right, Tony Pollard played uh, very, very well. Yeah, let, I mean, let's talk about Tony Pollard a little bit, because, like, I feel bad for the guy. Like, he's just, he's just very clearly better than Ezekiel. But, like, for some reason, um, and, and I, I think I kind of know, like, I understand the reason, but, like, for some reason, Jerry Jones just has a hard-on for 
this is this is our guy. No, this is not our guy. This is our team. Zeke is our team. We we ride and die with Zeke. But like, bro, you Tony Pollard is just so much better than Zeke right now. And well, I mean, like, let's say that like even if Zeke starts though, like the thing is, is like you know you can still get Tony Pollard like enough carries, right? And yeah. I think that's what's gonna happen, right? Like, like Zeke's just gonna be like. He's still gonna be like the face of it, but Pollard's unfortunately just gonna have to do a lot of heavy lifting. And I mean, I hope so. In a, in a much less thankful position, right? I, I, I hope so, but man, I don't know. Guy's just obsessed. I don't know if like fucking him off for something every weekend or something like that, but like. This is this got it out of control. <laughs> this is what out what of does control. the guy have to do? He has to go more than 131 rushing yards and three touchdowns. I it's know. Not I know. That's not enough. That's not. And this, the thing is, like, it's not the first time he's done this. Like, look at look at him last week. What what did he do last week? Yeah, here we go. Last week. He averaged 6.9 yards a carry on fewer carries than Zeke. And then he had two more catches for, for 26 yards. Uh, the week before that... Oh, Zeke actually played well here, but I think he had, he had more catches. I, I mean, it's just, it's just unfair. Pollard, man. He's... Honest to God, Pollard is one of my... One of my favorite players. Dude, there was a week where he went eight carries for 86 yards in a touch. Bro. Yeah. While, meanwhile, Zeke went 22 carries for 78. Bro. <laughs> it's just... I don't know, man. Um, anyway. So, I, I think those top four teams, the Eagles, Bills, Chiefs, Cowboys, they're, they're very solid. Um, they're all very, very good team with, with solid rosters. Um, kind of built similarly in a way, the Cowboys and the Eagles are, though, but I, I think the Eagles are probably, like, a bigger team, while the Cowboys are the faster team, but still both very, very physically dominant. Um, while the Bills and Chiefs... Um, and then at number five, we have returning to... Or, I think they're returning. Returning to the top five, the, the San Francisco 49ers. Whoa. What? Okay. <laughs> I did not expect that at all. Holy shit. Um, I mean, they were they were nine last week. Um, but then Yeah, but they're four and four. They're four and four. They're four and four. But number one, they just slammed the Rams last week. Which doesn't really say much. McCaffrey threw for a touchdown, rushed for a touchdown, caught a touchdown. This is all without Debo Samuel. Well, yes, uh, that was a very like unbelievable feat. It's like a, it's like a perfect hat trick <laughs> in soccer. Is like this is what it is. In, Did you know you that know. McCaffrey in the last, I think it's two or three, years, um, is the third quarterback no, no this is the only the third time i believe yes this is only the third time in the last two years or three years 
that a Niners quarterback has thrown for a 30-plus yard touchdown. The one before him was Trey Lance, and the one before him was C.J. Beathard. Garoppolo's bad. <laughs> anyway. Feels, feels really bad. Anyway. Um, but, no, no, no. But it, it's, it's, it's two things. It's, one is McCaffrey completely changed this in a way where, like, I think the 30-yard the touchdown is a meme but it's it's also emblematic of how McCaffrey can change your team. The Niners before they had McCaffrey and without Debo Samuel in the light up was more of a team of like, okay, like we're going to keep like running plays and running the ball until we get down to like the five yard line and then we're going to score from there. Now that you have McCaffrey in the lineup, it's no longer that. They get anywhere near the 30 or 25 yard line, they can score from there immediately. And that completely changes the dynamics of the offense. Um, and and Shanahan really showed this week how creative he can be when he has a playmaker like McCaffrey. Um combine him with Debo and then Kittle, like it, it's gonna be a nightmare for defenses to deal with. And then on top of that, their defense is getting healthier every week. Um and and it's already one of the best defenses. Um, but it, it, as as it gets health, as they get healthier, um, I think they're going to continue to get better, um, and, and that should help. So they come up at number five for me, and it's also because like some of the other teams them weren't super. Um, I will say it was very close with my sixth, which was the Miami Dolphins, um, right. who are are coming up. You know, obviously. Uh, Tua is back. He threw for almost 400 yards and three touchdowns. Um, again, was was a monster. They're and they just like I said earlier, they just added Bradley Chubb, who is a Pro Bowl caliber pass rusher to that defense, which is already loaded. Um, they're going to just get better. Um, as as the season on, so I it was really close between them and the Niners for the for the five spot. Um. I gave it to the Niners for now because I have a little more faith in both their defense and their head coach. But, I mean, the Niners and Dolphins, they're really neck and neck. They're very similar teams, um, which shouldn't surprise you because, you know, they're, the Dolphins head coach is a direct disciple. Um, no surprise. At number seven, we have the Baltimore Ravens up one spot. Um... After a a well fought win against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, um, I think for the most part the Ravens controlled the game. I think their defense could have been a little more stout this game, but I think for the most part they controlled this game. Um, and even though Mark Andrews, the Lamar's number one target, got injured in the game um, and left early, they had Isaiah Likely, the rookie, come up big, um, kind of filling that role. And then they just, and they run the ball so much in so many different ways. Five different players had more than two carries all um, against the Buccaneers. And if they keep playing like that, then I think that that really helps to balance out the um, and And the Ravens are just always going to be. After the, uh, the Ravens, we have the Minnesota Vikings moving up to number eight. They were also a... Um, a benefactor of the trade, right? Getting TJ Hawkinson, who is a big addition to their offense. Um, pair him up with 
Now you have Kirk Cousins has TJ Hawkinson, Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. Like they're loaded on offense. Um, in addition, we got to remember that the Vikings coaching staff, that their offense that they run, that's the old um, LA Ram Sean McVay offense, which uses the tight end very well in the pass game because they're all about play action, um, which means faking the run, right? Faking the run. Um, and then rolling out and getting some favorable pass uh, matchups into that, which can really help your tight end because obviously your tight ends are always in there to on like uh, on run plays or at least plays that look like they're going to be going to run the ball. And so having a guy like TJ Hawkinson begin on those plays and take advantage of some of those good matchups that that um, it's going to be really really good for both. Um, at number nine, we have the New York Giants who fall from number five real fast. Um, <laughs> because, dude, you can't lose this. And it wasn't even close. The thing is, it wasn't even close. It wasn't even close. And, and they just, it was an embarrassing loss for the Giants. Um, but, I mean... I got to be fair to them. Like, the Seahawks are playing very well. Um, so. But still, you, you can't. Like, if you're going to be a. What, what were they last week? They were a top five team. God, I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed. Can't, you can't be a top five team dropping games this much like this. Like, you got to at least make it close. 27 to 13. Come on. That's. That's. That's an embarrassment. But at number 10, we have the Seattle Seahawks. <laughs> I didn't think I would I didn't think I would ever put them in the top 10 this season but here they are surprising everyone Geno Smith just playing like an absolute chad like it turns out it turns out that when you have a quarterback that not everyone in your locker room hates everyone plays better <laughs> it turns out um Maybe Russell was the problem for the Seahawks. I don't know. Maybe he was. Maybe he was, dude. I mean, yeah, Geno Smith definitely punching above his weight. He is. Um, I mean, he's always been a talented player. He's just kind of gotten a little unlucky being on shitty-ass teams. And then he was on that New York Giants team with Eli Manning still there. And he was supposed to start over Eli, but then... You know, the Mara family was like, nah, Eli's got to play. And then, <laughs> then he retired. Like, he's just, he's just got a little unlucky over the, over the course of his career. But he's talented. He has a really strong arm. Um, He's athletic. And apparently, he's a better leader than Russell Wilson was. for. Um, So, the Seattle Seahawks, welcome to the top 10 in the power rankings. Um, you know, they're, they're playing good football right now. Their defense is not great. But I think they are coached very well, um, and they're they're super solid. Uh, so I, I think that goes a long way. They don't have the most talent on the defense, and and they're not the most like dominant team. But they don't make a lot of mistakes. Um, they do get overpowered sometimes one on one again because they're not the most talented defense. But I think they are uh, very schematically sound, um, and, and that goes a long way when you get to play football like the Seahawks where you're running the ball a lot um and then you know it's playing um efficient so 
Um, that's my top 10. The Eagles, Bills, Chiefs, Cowboys, Niners, who round out the top five, and then the Dolphins, Ravens, Vikings. Was really expecting the Vikings to be a little bit higher. Really? Yeah, I mean, with, with the addition, and they're they're just playing well. I mean, they're just getting results, man. They they're are getting results. One. Um, my only my only question for the Vikings is how good is their uh, defense actually? I believe their defense rating is. Check this. Of course. Yeah, they're 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 definitely in the bottom half of like defensive efficiency. Um. Meanwhile, like a team like Seattle, right? They're they're not good, or like they're not a great defense, but they're still like top twelve. Um. So that's what gives me kind of uh, they can't. Until the Vic the the defense shows me that they're they're a notch above at least like top twelve, um, it's hard for me to like a lot higher than some of the teams of them have very good uh, units on both. Fair enough. I mean, big test coming up for them in the thirteenth and the twentieth of this month. They're going to be playing the Bills and the Cowboys. We'll get to see what uh, <laughs> that defense is truly made of. Yeah, it should be it should be a good match, and we'll also see like how much the offense can actually score. Like, is the is Kirk Cousins good enough to get into a fist fight with Patrick Mahomes and come out on top? Well, uh, I mean, and is he able to like you know? I mean, that this is a narrative that's been plaguing him throughout his career. Is he just doesn't show up against good opposition, yeah. right? Against the and big so, in the big games, he doesn't. Is it is it is it different this year? We'll we'll find out. Um, honestly, uh, so far in the season, I mean, like, which team has been the most like disappointing to you? Is it like someone like the Buccaneers? Um, no, the Buccaneers. I kind of under. I I kind of get it because the thing with the Buccaneers is that. It wasn't unforeseeable. They had a lot of injuries. Um, they're an older team. And then you have Tom Brady, who's like fucking 40. 45? 45. Like, Jesus Christ. The man, he's a cyborg, but that doesn't mean he's immortal. Jesus. They're not. The thing about the Buccaneers is that it's disappointing their record is disappointing, but the way that they're playing isn't, like, so far from my imagination. Maybe, like, some of the more disappointing teams. I mean, the Rams are disappointing, but this yeah. kind of, also not surprising. They're also, like, an older team with a lot of, like, veterans without without a lot of depth. Um, it was a miracle that they won last year with the lack of depth that they had. They got really lucky with um and like i don't want to i don't want to be biased but like <laughs> it's the colts dude they have to be the most disappointing team because it's not it's not just it's not just the record it's not about the record it's about the way that they're playing ball and it's just bad like their defense is supposed to be a top 10 defense it's not it's not 
is not even close. It's like a bottom 10. And then their offense, like, Jesus, what the fuck is happening with their offense? Like, no one knows what's going on. We traded for Matt Ryan, and then Matt Ryan got benched. And then we fired our offensive coordinator. And then, and then also, the offensive line, which is supposed to be the strength of the team, is playing like garbage. It, it's just overall disappointing. It, ha- it has to be the Colts. Like, not just as a Col- from the standpoint of a Colts fan, from the standpoint of a good football fan. Like, that is just ugly. Yeah, yeah I, I totally forgot. Yeah, you're right. That they're definitely up there, too. Yeah. Um, the only other team would maybe be like the Packers. Who um, the Packers also? I think like you know you kind of understand how it happened. Like yeah, you, you, you can diagnose it, right? Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, the Colts it's is clear. just like the, everything is just falling apart. Which I can diagnose that as well. Is our fucking head coach? He's a piece of shit. Fire that motherfucker. They'll never fire him. Anyway, um, I don't know why they look. They'll never. All right, let's move on. Uh, baseball stuff, World Series. Uh, we have we have a series on our hands, man. Um, if you're the Phillies, you're feeling really good. You go into Minute Maid Park in Houston and you, you steal a game. That's all you can really ask for. You know, you got your two big guys up there. You had Nola and Wheeler game one and two. Jeez. You cashed in on one of those. And you're back in Philly for three games. And, and this has always been interesting to me is just how, like, you know, in the NBA, for example, in a seven-game series, you expect two games for the home court advantage team, and then two games on the uh, yeah uh, on the away right, or so to speak, like the like quote unquote like the away yeah. uh, side, and then you go um, game five, you go back uh, to the home field advantage team, and then you switch them, right, you go right. Um, game five, six, seven, you alternate, but then in in baseball, it's two three two, right, uh, which is very interesting. I always thought traditionally, like to me, if I am a team that has home field advantage, I would much rather have game six and seven, the yep. like you know the, the critical games on home turf. Um, but in, in any case, I mean, it is what it is. You deal with it. Um, so yesterday was supposed to be game three. Uh, it gets rained out, um, and it's kind of a shame because you can only imagine how crazy. A Philadelphia crowd in Citizens Bank Park on Halloween would have been uh, in terms of creating an electric atmosphere uh, for their home team. And you would think that, well, they kind of missed out on a very, you know, potentially, you know, just a very motivating atmosphere for their players. But at the end of the day, what happens now is that the entire schedule gets pushed back a day. And whenever things are pushed back a day, um, it's always, in my opinion, going to benefit the team that has worse pitching, mm, yeah. has, has, has less depth on the pitching side. Right, right. right? Because the hitters are always going to show up from game one to seven, and you're pretty much just you roll the dice each time with your your your, your um, hitters, and then you you know hope that they put up um, you know four good performances enough for you to win. But with the pitching, is you got to rely on some rest and things like that. And for the case of the Astros. They just have a way better starting lineup. Um, every single pitcher that they're going to uh, throw out there, their four-man rotation, everybody is like, there's nobody that I look at and I'm like, ah, I don't really feel good about them, right? Uh, whereas, like, 
Phillies, though, you know, Ranger Suarez is, I think Ranger Suarez can be good. Um, but Noah Syndergaard at this point in his career, he's not the Mets Noah Syndergaard. This is, you know, the Angels, Philadelphia, Phillies, Noah Syndergaard, who is not going to, you know, give you seven shutout innings. Um, and so in that sense, it is really nice to be able to, you know, give Nola and Wheeler the extra day of rest. Yeah. Because now what happens is that they're going to play Ranger Suarez. Um, they're going to uh, trot him out tomorrow. But now that, you know, Nola, who would have been scheduled for game five, he can now slot in for game four. And then, you know, I don't know, maybe you play Syndergaard or, you know, Wheeler on game five, right? And at the end of the day, what that's going to mean is that if you get to a game seven, then you might have Nola available on three days rest, which is not amazing, but you could have him come out of the bullpen. Or you could even have him, like, start on a very, like, short leash in game seven. And so it gives the Phillies... A lot, you know, they, it just puts them in a much better position. And, and look, we have a five-game series now, basically, with Philly's home field advantage, essentially. And I said it before, and I'm going to say it again: Phillies are going to win a game <laughs> in seven games. I believe in this starting lineup. The starting lineup is just flat out better. Okay, um, we know that we knew that the pitching was going to be a problem, or it was going to be a deficiency, but. You know, circumstances are, you know, kind of alleviating some of those pains. And, you know, the, the starting lineup's always going to be there to do its thing. And, you know, we'll see what happens. But it's, it's looking better and better by the day. And, um, I don't know, like three games, uh, three games in Philadelphia um, starting tonight. If the Phillies win two out of three, feel really, really good, right? Yeah. And... And um, I think they'll get it done. Uh, game two was obviously game one, right? Uh, Justin Verlander, like I said, he was looking shaky. He was shaky once again, and he lost the game for them. Um, can't say I was really surprised. I mean, um, I can only I only have respect for Justin Verlander and what he's doing at the age of forty, but. We saw this coming. He's had shaky starts in the postseason, and it was just a continuation of that in game one. Uh, game two was, you know, it was the Phillies were still in that one. Like they ended up losing 5 2, but really, you know, a costly error with two outs, um, two nothing down. It's already bad being down two nothing away in the first inning. And on a routine ground ball, you just throw an error and for no reason at all on two outs, you give up another run and it becomes 3 nothing. And all of a sudden, it just seems like a game that's really hard to come back from. And it ends up being the difference in the game. The, the game ends 5-2. So I don't think the Phillies have been playing super poorly. Um, obviously, a defensive mistake that sucks. But um, it's, I, I trust this lineup, man. And I think it's, uh, it's going to be a good series. Uh, rest of the way through, and you, you can definitely expect the Phillies to uh, get more than two points, two runs, because frankly, yeah, uh, uh, Framer, Val uh, Framer Valdez was playing just <laughs> unbelievably in game two. Like, he was basically unhittable. Um, and he's kind of like that. I think, like, sometimes he'll give you, like, really, really good stuff. He'll give you, like, seven shutout innings. Like, he can do that for you. And then sometimes he's just, like, very mid. And game two just happened to be one of those days where he's just unhittable. And you can't really do much about that. But, um, you know, 
I feel pretty good about the Phillies, and I think, um, you know, game, uh, Phillies and seven still on the menu for me. America's team, man. <laughs> America's they gotta, team. They got to they gotta fuck them up, but um, they Altuve, they keep coming for them. I, 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 they'll be there. They'll be there. But, like, the thing is, right, like, uh, with the Astros is their offense isn't, like, the – Yes, they have Jordan Alvarez, like very fearful stuff. But their offense is like, they, I I look at them more like a like a small ball team in general. Like they're gonna trickle runs on you, but like the Phillies can just flip a game, right? You saw it. You saw it in Game One, right? Yeah. I think they were down five nothing. They just flipped that thing, right? Yeah. They can do that. And that's what like a explosive offense that can hit a lot of long balls can do for you is that they could really just destroy a deficit in a matter of a couple innings yeah and, and the astros it, it just doesn't scale to that level yeah. um you know guys like altuve and um and, and bregman yes they're very good players but you know one to nine the phillies i think are just more threatening and i th- and I think it'll play out, especially um when we're playing in philadelphia these next three games and also for the phillies they still haven't had the bryce harper like game yet you know no that's like, coming exactly it's like, exactly it's they, 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 have one, they have that one left in the bank so like you got you kind of just you know have that one rested up until you need it and then and then you get you get, you get at least one bryce harper you're gonna get at least one <laughs> at least one of these three and like yeah. let's say that it's like a let's say that you know uh, they split the next two games and yeah. then game five like Bryce Harper, Bryce Harper gets like a game. go-ahead home run. Yep. Just just gets that momentum, just yeah. absolutely kills the Astros, and it, and going back home is not gonna feel the same. So like, you know, if that kind of thing plays out, you know, even better, right? But honestly, very exciting stuff. I think um tonight's game is gonna be a very interesting one. I hope I can catch it. I mean, uh hope for the best, but um, but yeah, definitely uh, stay tuned on this one, guys, because this is going to be a very good series. And once again, do not let the regular season records fool you, because the Phillies team is the the bats are hot at yes. the best time. And yes. once again, like they're a roster that's like built for the postseason because their pitching staff is lopsided. You know, pitching staff depth is going to give you very good results in the regular season, but yes. once it comes to you know the postseason. You know, you, you shorten up your starting rotation from four, five to four guys. You know, you get to trot out your main guys there more often. You're going to get better results and you're going to look like a better team. And so uh, that's what the Phillies are, man. Alrighty. Uh, NBA stuff. Lots of news. I mean, we can, I guess we could start with the Nets, right? Um, sure. Nets fire Steve Nash. And not only did they fire him, so so firing him, I I kind of saw it coming, right? Because he was the last part of the equation that they needed to experiment with. Because I mean, you're not going to experiment with like moving around Kevin Durant. I mean, he's a mainstay. The next thing that had to what about had Kyrie? Well, no, if, well, I think it's pretty clear at this point that the Nets are not willing to hold him accountable whatsoever, and they're at his mercy, basically. Right, like it's they're like, letting him have his way. They have, and that's not going to change. Like and, and in his defense, he's playing really, really well. Yeah, but he's, he's a dumbass. 
All right, anyway. But not, not only is Nash fired, we have Ime Udoka, the suspended coach. How did that Not even suspended happen? by the league, so he can still coach if he goes to a different organization. But suspended by the Boston Celtics uh, internally. He is a front runner. And the Celtics, of course, have made it clear that if Udoka wants to pursue a coaching job elsewhere, he's free to do that. Like, are they... Um... Uh, is he not under contract? Like, he's under contract with them still, no? Uh, but I don't know how it works. But I mean, um, the, the Celtics fuck? have made it clear that they're they're like open to terminating his contract if he wants to leave. I'm so confused. Like, I mean, if both parties mutually agree to end it, I mean, what? Like, you know what I mean? So then, like, what? What was this? Like. Like, was it, like, like, was the suspension effectively, like, we're, we're shopping you? Like, I don't know. Like, it's just so weird to me. It's just bizarre to me. I, I think I it was know. very much like, we need to do damage control. We as an organization need to first save our reputation. It's just so bizarre. Like, I don't, I don't get it. But I, but I mean, we can all agree that, you know, with for the Nets, with what's going on with maybe what's going on with Yudoka now and what's going on with, you know, Kyrie Irving and his tweets about promoting anti-Semitism and them condoning all that. I mean, at this point, the Nets don't give a damn about looking like a like a like a human rights activist of an organization at this point. This that is clearly not their priority. <laughs> Ah oh, man, the real question is, can Yudoka fix this team? Um, maybe. I don't... Well... The thing with Yudoka is, yes, he had better pieces in, at the Celtics to make a proficient defense happen. But, you know, he, he still was part of the, 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 the organization that executed it. And right. so I have better faith in him. He'll do a better job than at least Nash. I mean, like, how, like... Let, How worse could it be? Let me let me let me take a closer look at this roster because like, like ah, maybe it could work. I mean, yeah, it could. I, I mean, have, you're definitely right. The tools are much much worse. They're worse, but, like, you know, but I can see how it could work. Like a top ten defense. Because the way know? that Yudoka works, right? He like. He, he the successful Yudoka teams have had a plethora of playmakers, and that's usually how Yudoka teams function and win. With you know just having like eight different playmakers on the roster, and like if you look at their their roster, like yeah, you have like you have Kyrie, obvious you, you obviously have the like the big three, right? Who are they're all playmakers in their own right. Like as much like as bad as Ben Simmons is, he's still a playmaker, right? Like I mean, that's the only thing. He yeah, that's the only do. thing he does. And then and then you have guys like you know, Patty Mills is old, but like he can still create his own shots. So, so can Seth Curry, Joe Harris. Like, they they have a few guys here. I don't know though. It just playing playing. If they play Yudoka brand, if, if this roster plays Yudoka brand basketball, it just seems so very meaty. 
But like, you know, medium outside of the extraordinary quality that they have in Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving might be good enough. It might be enough. Maybe. Might be enough to, you know. It might be enough. Like if everything, like the, that's the crazy thing about this team. If everything clicks right, they're like that, they're like that Kawhi Raptors team. Yes. That won the championship. If everything clicks, but everything has to click right. Slightly more, slightly more uh, uh, polarized, or maybe polarized, not the right word. Slightly more unbalanced. Erratic. They're yes. fucking erratic, dude. Yeah. But, but um, um yeah. look, like, look at the game, right? Like, look at their last game, for example. Like, it was clearly not working because Kyrie and Katie, you know, they ball out. Um, and this is what we agreed on, right? This is like the win condition for them. Kyrie, Katie need to ball out. Yeah, yeah, games. they need to ball out. Yeah. But they ball out, and then they barely beat the Pacers. But they're like really bad. And so it's like, well, like it, it's starting to look like, you know, we need more than that. And, and we need to find it from within the rest of the roster. And Nash was just not doing that. I like, yeah. Yudoka cannot be worse. The, I mean, the biggest role. problem is that this team just doesn't play defense. Like, they have the worst defense rating in the league. Um, it, it's not even close. And then, if you look at the roster, though, like, I don't understand, like, how it can get better, right? Like, you have two defenders, Durant and Simmons. And, and I'm guessing 34-year-old Durant is not going to defend for about half the games that he plays in the regular season. So then, you really have one defender, Ben Simmons, who, like, He's Ben Simmons. And then, like, none of these other motherfuckers are going to defend. I think fucking TJ Warren's a good defender in the post. 6'8 forward. There ain't, there ain't no way. Patty Mills at 34 years old. No way. Kyrie, that guy's not defending. Like, where is their defense coming from? They have no defense. Well, I think Yudoka comes in and they're going to have to trade some pieces to... Yeah, they're going to have to do something because, like, this ain't it. This lineup, it ain't it. (laughs) (laughs) Like, they're they're so fucking bad at defense. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Holy shit. But, yeah, um... I I still have faith, though. A Yudoka-led team will definitely make the playoffs. I mean, let's get real. The Eastern Conference sucks. Like they're gonna you know, make the the bet thing. The great what what makes the Yudoka bets the greatest like fit is that you know Yudoka just wants to you know break some rules, get down, get funky, and the Brooklyn Nets are completely fine with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The no, like I said, dude. Like at this point, like the Brooklyn Nets really have no shame. Listen, they have listen, no shame. If Yudoka did the same thing that he did at the Celtics on the Nets, the Nets would be like five-year contract extension, baby. <laughs> General manager just comes out, you know, like you know, we just we just take this thing, you know, each and every day, you know, we take it one day at a time, you know. We're just trying to make each other better. You know? <laughs> the fucking the fucking owner comes out. He's like. And the Nets were a family. And you know. <laughs> and sometimes we take that literally. <laughs> and you know, sometimes, sometimes, you know, we'll we'll you know, we'll get physical. Sometimes, you know, you know, we might say things. And you know, we just really want to be close with one another. We just want to take care of each other. It's like And it starts yeah. it fr- starts from the top with your head coach. It gets real close. Times too close. But that's okay. <laughs> yeah. 
What a dumpster fire of a franchise, man. <laughs> Holy crap. Holy crap. How do you have two dumpster fires of franchises in New York? Like, how are it, they both dumpster it, fires? Yeah. Well, I mean, I would take the Knicks because at least the Knicks are just, you know. Yeah, but they have James Dolan. But, like, like the, the problems just stay in the court, at least. Yeah, yeah. I mean, don't want to... Probably don't want to get into Dolan Dolan's free time. <laughs> That's also true. Um, but on the other hand, in the Eastern Conference, man, well, of course we know the Bucks. you know, we expect, like, maybe we don't expect 6-0, but 6-0 is great and, you know, not a surprise. No surprise. But the Cleveland Cavaliers, 5-1. Yeah. yeah. Donovan Mitchell. They're the boy. How is he feeling in his new home? I mean, and they still don't have Garland, right? Yeah. So. I mean, uh, you're one of Donovan Mitchell's biggest haters. I mean, like, <laughs> what do you say to this? I mean, he's he, he's averaging 32 points in his first six games. Pretty filthy. And listen, this is just Russell Westbrook. <laughs> this is just Russell Westbrook Jr., okay? All right, he's, he's in the process of evolving into Russell Westbrook, and this is just part of that process, okay? That's it. He's got to first. He's got to first secure his thirty points per game season, and then he's gonna start going for boards. Exactly, and then and then once he gets to averaging, you know, a double double, and then you know, getting somewhere between fifteen twenty triple doubles a season, then you know everything goes to shit from and dunk a ball in practice, air balls free throws in the warm up, and then. And then you have Russell Westbrook 2.0. It's so sad how uh, we went from calling this guy Dwayne Wade 2.0 to <laughs> Russell in, Okay, but in, in all seriousness, in all seriousness, listen, it, the Russell Westbrook thing wasn't that, um, wasn't that unexpected to me. Uh, it, it, because Westbrook has never really, I don't understand, like, if there ever was this narrative, I, I hope there wasn't. Like, he was never that good of a shooter, like, ever in his career. Just straight up. Never. He was never. No. He, was, he was just, he was wildly inconsistent in shooting from the very, very beginning. So, like, it, it, it shouldn't surprise you that a player who relies on his, and we've talked about this before, a player who, like, is so reliant on his athleticism and never develops a consistent jump shot or works at it like John Wall did, right? Um, it shouldn't surprise you that he just he falls off a cliff at, at, at a certain point when he becomes older. Donovan Mitchell, listen, he does play to his his athleticism, but he's a better shooter than than Russell Westbrook has has ever been. Um, I mean, he's, he's shooting forty five point five percent so far. Exactly, exactly. Small sample size, but that's. I mean, in and the, he has been like a mid thirties his whole yes, career. So like, last year, competent. last year he shot 40, 44.8. 43.8, 44.9. So like, it, it, this guy is a good shooter. It's not gonna, it's not gonna be the same thing. The same thing is not gonna happen to him. Um, I'm, I'm obviously just me by calling him Russell Westbrook. Um, but you gotta understand, like, obviously he's gonna have numbers on a team where one, there's no Darius Garland, so it's literally just him, right? What you're gonna expect, 34 year old Kevin Love to put up 25, 30 points a game? No, that's not gonna happen. Um. So, you know, on a team where he's, he's kind of 
by himself, but has like decent pieces around him. Um, obviously, like Harris is pretty good. Evan Mobley is a, a decent piece. They still have like rookie Rubio in there. Um, so like they have a couple of decent pieces. Um, and then really Donovan Mitchell is the star of the show. I I think it it's uh gonna shine when when he's like that. So um we'll see what happens what happens to his numbers when when Darius Garland comes back that's really the question of like is Donovan Mitchell the guy who just like fills the the stat sheet when he's like the only guy or can he help um when there's another guy like Garland on the floor with him can he help to elevate both their games so that both of them can be you know dropping in 25 and and 8 a game or something yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens with Garland. If he can do that, then the Cavaliers can actually be, like, a pretty decent team. If it looks like Donovan Mitchell is just, like, the solo star, then they're going to be... Well, I mean, like, you know, definitely, like, if, you're, if he's getting all this volume, right, you're going to expect at some point, like, you know, if you're the only guy, if you're the main attraction of the offense and you're getting all this volume, the efficiency is going to go down. But it just hasn't been the case. He's been shooting like 50% from the field. He's been shooting 46% yeah. from three. Like, these are like excellent numbers. Yeah. Like, they, these don't like tell me a story of a player who's just like having to chuck shots because nobody else will. You, you know, know? Maybe, maybe it's, maybe he really just needed a, a change of scenery. Maybe that's actually just, actually just what it is. And, and you know, Cleveland is uh, not the shiniest city in the world, but it's better than you. That that is also true. <laughs> That's also true. Dude, imagine Utah, Utah's got to be like the the land of where uh, <laughs> mid free agents go to just secure a bag. <laughs> imagine how good he'd be if he went to New York. He'd be MVP. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I mean that was a thing. That was a thing, man. It was a I mean thing. that was a real was possibility, a... and, uh, and I would um, I would like to see that for sure. I think I think everybody would like to see that. I mean, let's be honest. Like, Cleveland is Cleveland is just not the same without yeah. LeBron. Yeah. It, like like Cleveland is just like a not very uninteresting franchise. Just the, just a franchise that you hope doesn't do well because you just don't want it. Yeah, it's like what's so exciting about the Cavs without LeBron? All right. Um, what else in the Eastern Conference? I mean, I mean, not much. Not much. Not much. Not much Western else. Conference, man. You talk about the Lakers. I'm gonna use the bathroom for a second. Lakers. <laughs> Please. The mo- the monologue on the Lakers. All right. The lake. The Los Angeles Lakers. Maybe. And, and, and here's the thing, right? Is is that the Lakers are such a story? They're 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 arguably no, not arguably. They are just straight up the greatest franchise in the NBA, and and arguably in in all of sports, they are one of the most storied, historical, with all of the achievements and and trophies and championships and MVPs and great players and legends to back it up. They are one of the greatest franchises in the history of sports. And 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 
what what they're they're one in five they're one in five with lebron james anthony davis russell westbrook on the on the roster and and it's it's a miracle that they won a game at all like this is some next level degenerate shit that i've ever seen and and frankly as a fan, you gotta, you gotta think and like, what is going on with the ownership? Like, how can they allow this to happen? They are, they are taking a franchise that has made them so much money, that has so much brand equity and value, and they're throwing it down the drain by doing this. And the biggest problem, the biggest problem is that LeBron is going to is is going to retire at some point, and and he's going to take a large chunk of equity with you. I think that's actually the the biggest threat and problem with the Lakers that they're going to have to address is that. Because the Lakers are so bad, because the Lakers, and, and, and they have another really, really bad season, like last season, then all of the brand equity that the Lakers have built up, okay, I shouldn't, I'm being a little hyperbolic, I shouldn't say all of it, but a lot of the brand equity of the Lakers is going to kind of transfer in a way to LeBron, where, it, and what I mean by that is, when LeBron leaves the Lakers and they are they're not a winning franchise, they don't have another star um the level of I mean it's hard to be the level of LeBron James but to like an an elite level, a top 5 player. Um when you don't have that and LeBron James leaves, there's going to be a huge vacuum in the franchise and and that's problematic because you are the Los Angeles Lakers. Like, that that doesn't happen to you. And, and that shouldn't happen to you. And, and it's going to be problematic because right now, the only thing that the Lakers have is LeBron James. And so when he leaves, if they're not winning, it's going to be an issue. It's going to be an issue. So, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I don't know what else to say. Like, the Lakers are putting their franchise and their equity and the value of a, a brand at risk by being this bad um, and allowing this, allowing this to happen. Like, I don't understand why they keep giving Russell Westbrook a chance. Like, fucking ship him off. I don't care if you, if you have to pay the other team to take him. He is a negative influence. On the goddamn team. A negative influence. On the goddamn team. And so. If you have to pay someone. To take him off your roster. Then do it. Like I, There were trade offers in place. For Wes Russell Westbrook. Like There were teams that were willing. To take him on. And his contract. And all of his degeneracy. And yet you guys. You were okay. The ownership was okay. With Rob Palenka saying no. They were okay with that? They were okay with that. I I can't believe I can't believe it. I can't believe it. That is completely and utterly unacceptable. Completely utterly unacceptable.
I just, I don't know. It, it, it starts at the top. It really does. It really, it starts at the top. And, and if, if they're not going to get their shit together, you know, the Lakers fans, a lot of, a lot of Lakers fans were Kobe fans. They're going to start losing. There's that can't just hold on to that kind of equity forever. Listen, before you had, you know, you had Kareem. There were Kareem fans. He won championships. And at a certain point, there are no more Kareem fans. Nope. You don't go out to the world, ask NBA fans, you know, who's your favorite? No one is saying Kareem out there, okay? No one is saying Kareem. So, you know, that that passes. And, th- and then you had Magic Johnson fans. And Magic Johnson, Magic was as big as basketball. He was as big as the NBA. And yet, now, you know, if you go out now, if you ask a kid, you know, a, a 10-year-old kid playing basketball out, uh, you know, outside, they you ask them, you know, Magic Johnson, they don't know who Magic Johnson is. They don't know who Magic Johnson is. That is? Now, now we're going to the we're getting to the era where you know Shaq is now old, Kobe is now old. Like you know, fifteen twenty years from now, where is your brand going to be when the last star that you had was a an an aging LeBron James who only brought home one championship? Like it's it's got to change. Something's got to change. Something's got to change. Still talking about the Lakers. Yeah, because the Lakers suck so much. I hope it was cathartic. <laughs> it wasn't. This is terrible. This is- it's like I'm just swimming in my own shit or something. <laughs> talking about LeBron James. LeBron James, the uh, the tank commander that um, we would never have expected. Uh, <laughs> this is a uh, this is amazing. It's a garbage uh, franchise. Well, Zana, on the bright side, on the bright side, they're not the worst team in the NBA. They're close. No, we're the worst. <laughs> you think you guys are worse than the Rockets? We're worse. <laughs> Listen, we're worse. Oh, man. The Rockets are bad, but, you know... At least they got, I was going to say, yeah, like the Kings are down there with you, but the Kings, you know. At least they got Jalen Green. At least they got KPJ. At least they got, at least they got Ken Martin Jr. Who we got? It's kind of ridiculous. I mean, like, I can't believe the team is that bad. I mean, I, I don't believe the Lakers will be there. There's no way. Like, I believe it. You still have Anthony Davis. That is a talent that, like, you know, most teams would, like, most teams in the NBA don't have a player as good as Anthony Davis. But we're garbage. <clears throat> garbage. All right. Anything else we want to talk about in the uh, Western Conference? I mean, dude, the Jazz. What's going on with them, man? Like, they're, they were supposed to have, like, dumped all of their good stuff. They were supposed to have no talent. And they don't. They and they, they just beat talent. the Memphis Grizzlies. Freaking Laurie Markkinen torched them for thirty-one points. Like, what the hell is going on? You know, and and that's the thing to me is Jordan. What what really sticks out to me is when you when you have good defense, and, and that's why I I think it's so hard to win the NBA out good defense. 
when you have a good defense like the Jazz do, you like you just need one guy to pop off and you can win a game. You know what I mean? So like, but you have to have a good defense. If you don't have a good defense, that's not. It's, if you don't have a good defense, you're the Nets, and you need two, like, all pro level fucking players to pop off at the same time to win. When you don't have a good defense, but when you have a good defense like the Jazz, you just need one guy to pop off. That that's what's happening. That's it. Yes. Thank you. And thank you. Huh? I hear you. Oh, sorry. Oh, there you go. Um. Uh. I mean, what else you want to talk about in the NBA? I, I think that's about it. I mean, that's all I want to talk about. I mean, the Warriors not looking good. The Clippers not looking good. But I, I think we're gonna just need some time, you know, for them to settle in. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I guess. I, I don't know. Pretty garbage. Yeah, no, the, the, I would say this NBA season in general is pretty, like, surprising. It is surprising. It's still very early. It's like, like, a lot of good teams. Um, it's still early. It's, uh, it's, yeah. Um, let's talk about esports, man. Um, you went to an event. You went to an event. I did. In, I did. In the ATL. In the ATL, so it was that? it was fun. It was actually a lot of fun. Like it was, so it was the the League of Legends, which is the most widely played game in the world, um, by far. I don't, I believe it's not even close. Like, cause what, how many active players do they have? A hundred, hundred and seventeen million players playing monthly. Oh, like, so, so, like, we're talking, like, bigger numbers than, like, Fortnite and things like that? Dude, I'm pretty sure Fortnite is not even cool. <laughs> um. Uh. I don't, I, I don't know where to see. Oh, active player base around 80 million. That's close. But, like, yeah, Fortnite really, like, it, it peaked a while ago. Yeah, right? no, we're talking, like, almost twice that. Right. And, and Fortnite is a, is a young game, relatively. League of Legends has been around since 12, 12 years, 12 years ago. Yeah, I want to say League of Legends. I first heard about that in 2000 and, yeah, yeah. 11 or something yeah, like exactly. that. Yeah, exactly. So, like, it, it's been around for 12 years, so... It, to to still have 150 million players playing your goddamn game every every month like that's nuts anyway world championship um semifinals were in Atlanta at the State Farm Arena so uh where where Trey Young plays you know a bunch of a bunch of nerds 20,000 nerds got together witness 20,000 yeah we filled it <laughs> holy shit yeah both days it was filled, and it was. Were they also charging twelve dollars for beers? Um, I believe. Holy shit! Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, they're, they're making nerds. bank off of this. Oh yeah, they're they're definitely making bank. Um, holy but, smokes! Um, what was I saying? Yeah, it was loud. 
it was loud in there. Like, dude, nerds. If nerds were liked spirits, like, and like, they'd be very, very. But anyway, at the semifinals, they were they were very loud. Um, and it was it was fun. Like it was, it's it's bizarre because so how it, how it works is right. So you have like the the stadium like arena, and then you have this like in the middle. They set up yeah. ten computers, and the players are like playing yeah. out there, you know, in the in the middle of the arena. But it's bizarre because it's like when you when you play sports, it's not like it's not like you can go home and then be like, "Yeah, I'm just gonna do like what that guy did in like you know, the same like setting." But like when you watch like an esport. It's like okay, I can go home and and play the exact same game that he was like on on a computer, just like, like, I don't know. It's like it's it's a different kind of feeling. It's a different. Kind of, it it feels more relatable when when it's right, right, yeah, yeah. So so my question is because I think because of the nature of esports, like from a like from a actual like tangible experience. The players are not moving around. They're just sitting yeah, in front of the screen. Yeah, yeah. The action happens within the screen that yeah. needs to be broadcasted well. And to my understanding, right, State Farm Arena, or I mean, I mean, when we used to go to the games, it, it used to be called Phillips Arena. Yep, yep. Right, like they like a lot of you know basketball slash hockey, you know, purpose, you know, spaces. The actual screen is not big. They just have a center screen, like in the middle, right. In yeah. the middle, middle of the dome. This, so do they have other like projected screens where you can see the action better? Yeah, for this, they have like this like curved like four screen layout, like in the middle. That's like massive. It's it's, it's seriously it's huge, and so it's just like it's like curved like this around like the arena, and and it's it's massive. Like obviously, because you're like you're saying that's the only thing that you have to really look at. So like, it has to be. Huge. It has to be like good enough to be like to tell like tell people to make people feel that like yeah, yeah like watching it on that screen with that kind of environment Worth is it. enough for this ticket or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah, and and it it definitely was. It's not and and it was obviously like yeah the big screens and everything, but like the energy and the excitement in the arena, like you wouldn't believe that you were in an arena full of nerds. You would have thought you were in an arena full of like right. hardcore sports fans or something because it was loud as shit in there. Let me tell you, and right. um, like it, it would like, and it was interesting because so, and I don't really know tangibly how much this affects the players, but obviously, like in 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 other sports, traditional sports, you have home field advantage, right? Home court advantage. Where the the fans are like cheering for you super loud when you make like a good play, and like obviously they're they're silent when the other team does, et cetera, right? And and in esports, it, it, you don't really have that because there's not really like a home court. the The teams aren't tied to specific or, or locales or um generally, but it was interesting because on the day that I went, on the day that I went. It seemed like there were a lot more fans of one particular, and 
every time and they were the underdog which made it a lot more fun they were the underdog and every time they made a good play the arena just fucking erupted and it was so and and because the players are all in the arena and even though they have their like headsets and shit on like the it was so loud that you could a hundred percent hear even it with your headset on and everything the players could a hundred percent hear like when the cheer would erupt and like the thing is that gaming is an extremely like mental game right like or a mental like activity right you need to have like very strong mental fortitude to to play well in the game even more than sports because sports is all like there's a lot of muscle memory there's a lot of like repeated actions and movements in gaming it's it's all about your fucking mental right so then imagine you're the other team right the team uh, sitting across from you just made like a good play like they just killed all of you or something and the st- and the stadium just fucking erupts in applause and like and everything like if you're the other team i would feel so fucking like tilted and bad like my mental will be fucking shattered and like the thing is like it doesn't happen like once it happens like multiple times throughout the game and then like it seems it just seems like and i've never seen this before because obviously i i haven't sat in 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 esports events of this caliber but it really like you could really feel the momentum building for one team and and the underdog won wow series and and you could you could really feel the momentum building, and they were playing better every game. Like it was, it it was a sight to behold, man. And and so like on the topic of like you know the noise and like you know players being able to hear. What I wonder is you know does it somehow kind of? Um, I can't say that like you know hypothetically it would give one team an advantage over the other, but like let's say for example like you know how sometimes like you can hide in, in somewhere at the map, right? Oh, yeah. And the thing is that, like, you know, the, the opponent's not able to see you until yeah. they get some kind of visibility yeah, of where yeah. you are so they can attack you, right? Yeah. And so if you don't know where they are, but, like, but on the other hand, like, the, the spectators, they know everywhere. Yeah, like, yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, the vision that you give the spectator when you, they go to these events, you give them everything, right? Yep. And so... They know, like, when there's, like, a close shave, for example. Like, if someone's hiding. And, like, oh, sure. Kind of, like, a hide-and-seek moment. And then, like, one person just gets, like, really close. I'm sure the audience cannot, like, contain their noise. Yeah. And they're just like, oh, but, oh, 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 like, but, they're going to find them, right? You know? Oh, oh, and really? does that, like, kind of affect, you know, the outcome of, you know, the game and, like, you know, you know other players being able to pick up on the cue of the audience? It can, um, maybe. But thing is, like, there's, like... I don't know what it is. It's like an unspoken code of like you don't make the noise until like it's 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 done. You know what it, I mean? I mean, you would hope, right? But it's yeah. twenty thousand people. You can't. It's hard to. But but like if it's know. like if it's like ten people, like you're not gonna hear it with the headphones on right. and everything. It has to be like really like everyone like fucking right right and, and and that doesn't really happen until like the moment that is like until the moment has passed. And, and right. also because like the thing is these are all fucking nerds so and they all like fucking play this game like 10 hours a day so during like intense moments they're focusing on the fucking game so like they're not they're not yelling out or like cheering or anything they're like they're fucking focused on the game and then like 
once it's happened, then they'll fucking cheer and everything, right? But like right. during the intense moments, like they're 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 focused on the game. <laughs> that that's so funny. Yeah, so like yeah. I'd imagine like you know the noise goes up and down like like very uh, much. Okay. Yes, yes, it's hilarious. It, it's great. It's fantastic. Well, I mean, you learn something new every day, folks. I mean, uh, so yeah. If, if, if I mean, like they have events like this for like other games too. Yeah, they like, do. They do. Um, but obviously, like, I'm sure they have like you know FIFA and things like that. Yeah, you know, and they they have like, Call of Duty and 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 um, Counter Strike. They have all of that. But obviously, since this is the biggest biggest uh, game in the world, literally, like the. The, the event sizes are like none other and and obviously this is also and the other the other difference is that for other games like counter-strike and other things they have a lot of tournaments throughout the year for league of legends there are only two tournaments there's a mid-season invitational and there's the world championship that's it there are there are no other tournaments and mm-hmm. so everything kind of like culminates at these events and then the world championship is just like on another level compared to all the other tournaments. so like this is this is it like this is the one event of the year at League of Legends fan. Pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. Um, yeah, well, the, the finals are going to be in San Francisco um, on Saturday. Um, and we have two Korean teams returning to the finals uh, for the first time in five. Um, there's been a lot of, like, Chinese domination stuff uh for for the last few but here we are we have uh, in the semifinals four three out of the four teams three in domination back <laughs> i'm happy <laughs> so, there, so there's a player named faker does he do like uh, the, the the goat it, it, does he play? Is the, doesn't he play for a Chinese team? No, the goat still plays for the same team that he's always been on. He is actually, he's actually wow. just Kobe, um, and he has returned to the finals. Well, he has returned to the finals, and it's it? crazy because on his team, on his team, are. A bunch of really like young players. Um, so like Baker by himself, he's I believe he's shooter. So yeah, he's ninety six. So he's like he's like twenty seven. Yeah, and then yeah, twenty six. Wow. The other players are were born in two thousand four, two thousand two, two thousand two, and two thousand two. So it's him wow. literally just surrounded by these like young talents, these like young studs, and he's uh he's literally leading them to the promised land, returning to the finals. Okay, that's, that's literally Kobe. That's literally yeah. Kobe. Yeah, I know, his, uh, I know. It's yeah. fucking badass. It's Kobe in the the Poshak era. Exactly. This is like the oh seven oh wait is oh oh seven oh eight Lakers. This this is them. That's crazy. Yeah, he's poised to... Uh, and the, the funniest thing is, um, on the other side, the team that he's facing in the finals, there's also a, another legend. Um, his name is Deft. Um, who, who's also another legend who has been playing 
since 2013, um, just like Faker. Um, they were actually high school classmates. They went to the same high school. Wow. Um, here they are. World Championship Finals for of Legends in the year 2022. <laughs> Faker hasn't been, you know, he hasn't won this thing in six years. Wow. Yeah, yeah. He hasn't been back in a long time. Since that loss um, five years ago, I believe, hasn't been back to the finals. And he's been been grinding and grinding and grinding and, and here he is. It's uh story is incredible. The narrative is crazy. Well well that's gonna be that's gonna be a heck of a time and, and, and one last thing, uh what's gonna be the prize fund for this? Um I think is, is, or is there a prize fund? There there is a prize prize fund. Um it's a little variable because usually they like do a little bit of crowdfunding as well. Um for this, but let me uh so they get 22 the winner gets 22 percent of the total prize um which i guess they're still crowdfunding so they don't have a they don't have a number on it yet but to give the context last year that's it for last year? Oh, here we go. The prize pool last year was $2.25 million. So they'd be winning uh, they'd about be winning like, like 500K. 400, 500K? Yeah, 400, okay. 500K, which isn't That's that much. That's a pretty nice payoff. It, it's, it's a, a nice okay. payoff for a computer game. Yeah, it's okay. I mean, Faker's contract is like $5 million. That is crazy. Well, ladies and gentlemen, um, you know, if you're good at computer games, you could more than make a career out of it, I guess. Yeah. Um, but in any case, um, that's going to be it for uh, today's podcast. Um, once again, thank you for listening. And, you know, as always, tune back in next week because we're always talking about sports. We're always talking about, you know, and, and we're going to be bringing you the best takes of all things sports. So, uh, until next time, guys, uh, keep it 111. Hey.